everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Study with Steph. I am here with Hope Roth. She's the lead programmer for Reardon Brothers. And today we're going to talk about signal management systems. Um, hey, Hope, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me. So yeah, I was reading through this chapter and we were kind of talking about how this one it's not really theoretical. So if I, since I don't really have experience going into a project and specifying anything, like this is kind of hard for me to grasp. So I, I guess I just want to like get like some kind of high level, base level understanding of it. Um, so first things first, signal management is basically just talking about how to send a signal through an AV system, yep. like in its simplest form. Yeah, uh, uh, sort of your old school AV people will probably think of this as your gazentas and gazatas, and it's how you're physically connecting things together. Okay, I've got that so far. So <laughs> when when people talk about a signal flow, though, like what, what does that mean? Does that just mean like physically how we're getting the signal to from point A to point B? Yeah, uh, uh, as someone who maybe hasn't physically connected things together before, you, it might be helpful to think of it like a flow chart. Okay. It's really, it's really not any different from that. It's basically how do I, you know, here's me speaking into a microphone. How does the sound get from me over to you? Okay. Uh, right now it's, you know, we're using the internet, but in, a, in an AV system, it's the flow of the microphone into, you know, into the system, how it gets all processed and then how it gets out to the speakers. Okay, cool. So when we think of like starting to think of how something gets from point A to point B, a lot of times we think about a cable is doing mm -hmm. that, right? So, but what I learned in reading this chapter is a wire and a cable is not the same thing that people like misconstrue and like, like say the wrong thing all the time. So what's the difference between them? Okay, so uh, it's kind of helpful to, I'm trying to give you an analogy. It's sort of like a, a, a square is a square um, and a rectangle can also be a square. So a cable is the actual parts that are that go into it that helps you move the signal from point A to point B and a wire is a component of that okay. uh, cable. So a cable would be made up of wires, but a wire in and of itself is not a cable. Okay. So it's like the, it's, is it like in terms of conductors, like a wire has only one, but then like a cable has like a, more than that? We'll have multiples. Yeah. It's, it's okay. There's lots of different choices that you can make in, well, not you can make, but the, you know, the standard has all the different standards for the different cables have different um, variations between them in terms of what you're using for the conductor, what you're using for um, protecting that conductor. And, um, and so that's what a cable is basically. Okay. That makes sense. So when we talk about a conductor, we talk about, that's like, I, I don't know. I'm not probably, I don't know if I'm thinking about this the right way, but I'm thinking of like a thread, like a copper wire that like some type of electricity has to flow through to get something to happen. That's a pretty good mental image. Um, the conductor can be other types of material, but generally, yeah, a conductor is one solid piece of something that the signal is flowing through because it conducts electricity. Okay. So when it comes to AV and like needing to know what's what, like, do we need to know like when 
these are insulated versus shielded versus when they have a jacket. Cause like I, the only thing that like comes to my brain that I know is like twisted shielded pair. Like I see Mm -hmm. that on a bunch of stories all the time. So is that different than a, than like a cable being insulated, like shielded? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So you may, so sometimes some of this stuff may be kind of all in one, but it's basically insulation, shielding and jacketing are all protective elements but you might it might be helpful to think of it more in terms of what they're protecting you from um so insulation is keeping um is uh keeping that electrical signal um insulated basically sorry that's kind of a tautology um it's keeping that that electrical signal isolated is that's what uh, insulation is doing shielding is more of a protective element um, so you're trying to um, keep your signal from having interference. So, okay. um, uh, you know, and, you know, we say don't run cables next to fluorescent lights because the fluorescent lights will interfere with the signal, but, you know, the, the world will interfere with your signal. So that's why you, you, you still need to have shielding. Okay. Um, then a jacket is more of a physical protection. So you want to think of it like I would put a jacket on because it's cold out to protect myself from the elements, you know, like think of it like a raincoat or a, or a snow. Okay. Or so snow. that makes sense. Um, when would you use an unshielded cable? Because it sounds like you pretty much always want to shield it. Like, mm-hmm. but there's like, they're still sold yep. some that are unshielded. So why do those exist? Um, I mean, they're cheaper basically. Oh, okay. So you may have an application where, um, where you know exactly where your cable's going. It's going to be a really short run, especially if it's going to be within a rack. Um, okay. you know, you have total control about what happens in your AV rack. So you may make the decision to, um, not go so heavy duty with your cables because it, it will be cheaper. And okay. So a lot of a lot of times, um, the shielding and everything makes it more complicated for the actual install. So, okay. But when you're doing like a longer distance or something, that's when it like matters more mm-hmm. versus when it's in a rack. Yeah, distance, and then also just what's in the environment. Okay. No, that makes sense to me. Um. So, it, when it and- comes to like the different cable types, there are like. Or they're like, there's like three main ones, I think. Yep. So the twisted pair is the one that I, I feel like I see a lot. Um, and then fiber optics are also the ones I see a lot. And that's just like a glass. It's made of glass, right? Yeah. Um, and then. Glass inside it. Wh- what is a coax cable? I've. Coax. <laughs> you are so young. <laughs> oh, is that like a, oh. A coax just, cable is how we all used to watch TV when I was your age. <laughs> I just, I just told on myself. That's okay. <laughs> um, it's like a, it's like, um, it's a, it's a single conductor through the middle of it. Okay. Um, and then have you ever seen like a TV antenna? Yeah. Yeah. So you know how it has that like big knobby thing on it mm-hmm. and you kind of like plug stuff in and screw it. That's, that's coax basically. Oh. Okay. The most common, the most common application is, is analog cable, but they're also used in broadcast a lot. Okay. So, um, obviously no twists. So those twists are actually giving you some shielding from, um, 
uh, interference. Um, so the coax is just a straight conductor. So it's not giving you any of that. Um, okay. But it's, you know, a lot of people use it because it's still in their houses or okay. just have it run everywhere. Okay. And twisted pair, that's the one. Is that the one that's like a cat something like cat six? Yep. Cat. Okay. Yep. Cat stands for category. Yes. It's like a cat, whatever, cat X. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That, that makes sense to me. Fiber optic is obviously going to be a lot more expensive than the other ones, um, but it is used for secure applications because you can't, uh, you can't with a, with a coax or a twisted pair, there are ways to sort of interject yourself into the middle because you can, you know, cop, copper, I'm not describing this well, but basically that you can physically get yourself into, into that situation because all you need is something that will conduct electricity basically. Okay. Um, but with fiber optic, once you cut that cable, that's it. That's why it's such a big deal when backhoes hit them because uh, you're running new cable. You're not, you're not splicing fiber optic cable. So there's no way to like, if it gets cut to come in and fix it with something else, you just have to replace it with an entire new thing. You know that I'm not entirely sure of because I'm okay. I, I I never deal with fiber optic breaks, so I'm not sure about that. But in terms of they call it like a man in the middle attack, where you just go and basically insert yourself into somewhere. It's 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 very difficult to do something like that with fiber because of the way it is, and then also because um, light travels so well, um, mm -hmm. you can get longer longer distance runs with fiber optic. Okay. So when you're doing like an install or something, is it, does it come up and you're like, which type of one of these do we want to use? Or is it just like, it depends on what you're running versus like what cable will work for it? Yeah. I mean, you would never really be in the field like, oh, should I do twisted pair or fiber optic? That's something that's going to be decided at a design level. Okay. Um, but it is definitely something that, um, you know, they all have different uses and they all have different ways of working with them. So like, for example, um, fiber, um, that glass doesn't really like to bend. So it, ha it often has a much um, smaller bend radius, which is like how much you can bend the cable before it causes problems. Um, so, you know, I, I saw an installer once zip tie a fiber optic cable into a projector mount uh, and it did not it did not hold up <laughs> because when the projector mount went up, the whole thing kind of curled under on the cable. So, so understanding the properties of them is good. Um, just in terms of working in the field, but nobody, yeah. no, but you wouldn't be in the field like, okay, which one of these should I know? But it's, it's good, okay. to, good to understand how they all work and you know, why you would use one versus the other. Got you. And so maybe I wouldn't zip tie one because I know yeah. that it doesn't really bend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so when it comes to connectors, um, we were talking about earlier and I was like looking at this list and I was like, do I have to memorize all of these? But mm -hmm. actually a lot of them, you just know from being a person who yeah. owns electronics. Um, but there are it, some that like, I don't really know what they do. Like I, like I know what an XLR is. Most people know what a 6.5 and 3.5 millimeter phone are. Um, RCA. I do know what that one is, even though that one's a little bit older. Um, <laughs> but I, I hear, I read about RJ45 eight pin connectors a lot. And that one's more, is that a more of a networking connector? Yeah. 
Okay. What is that? Like, when do we use that? What is that? Um, basically for, if you're doing anything where it's IP control. So, okay. Um, yeah, this is like the Steph Meeks hope feel old show. Uh, <laughs> cause when I was your age, we had to use those all the time on our laptops. <laughs> uh, no one under the age of 30, uh, knows half this stuff because all they need to know is the Wi-Fi password, but yeah, it's just, that's true. <laughs> But that's just your standard here way I have. Okay. I just have cables in my bags. Oh, that's like a, it looks like an ethernet. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. Oh, okay. Okay. See, okay. So I have used that before because yeah. uh, in undergrad, when you couldn't, when the Wi-Fi wouldn't work in certain spots in the library, you'd plug an ethernet cord into the wall with that. So yeah. Yeah, I have used that. Okay, great. Okay, I do know what that go. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about a captive screw earlier mm -hmm. that they're also known as Euroblock or Phoenix connectors. And that, yeah. yes. And Here's my visual aids because podcasting is a visual medium. Here's my <laughs> for you. But for, for those of you listening at home, these are usually green or black and you would see them on like a control processor or um, all sorts of other AV devices. Okay, that makes sense. Those what are those is ones a, that use use a tweaker on to to um to op, uh, open or close them basically to get to like fit? Yeah. What is a speak on or an NL four? NL4. It's a loudspeaker connector or something. Well, it must not be very. I'm not an audio person. I'm a control systems person, but <laughs> um. But, but I'm the one that's out in the field having to plug stuff into my control systems. Um, but basically, I mean, I know what a speak on is. I just don't usually use them. They, um, okay. It's just a way of connecting a speaker into a system. Okay. That's, that's fine. Um, I mean, we, you know, so we, we talked, we talked before uh, the show started about um, getting your hands on some stuff and I would highly recommend it a fun field trip to just, go out to an install or a rack build facility and put your hands on some of the stuff. Cause yeah. it'll, it'll be, it'll be more useful in the long run to just have physically felt the, the different things. And then also, you know, you won't have to memorize it because all of these will be pretty obvious if you, if you use them. Yeah, that's true. I get, it's just, I think that my difficulty is just coming at this from just such a different understanding. Mm -hmm like a lot of people are coming at this test, like having already been in the field for so long and I write about it. I don't get to see it every day or like put my hands on it. So my like level of understanding is just so different, which I think is what's like scaring me so bad about the test. <laughs> yeah. But you and I went through some of this before and you actually knew what a lot of these were. You just didn't know what the words were. And yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the point of the CTS and doing the studying and going through it is so that we all have the same common language. I'm starting to like glean a lot just from like all the spec sheets I've read over like the past couple of years uh, that mm -hmm. I've started writing more for Rave. Um, there, there are things that just like start like sticking. Like, yeah, I, like I thing I was like, oh yeah, shielded twisted pair. I know that one, but mm -hmm. um, it's it's definitely like like things are starting to come together um but i just like I, I still feel as though like i'm not quite there you know yeah 
You'll get there. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't help that we've all been locked in our houses for like a year and a half, right? Like you go to a couple trade shows and everyone actually has their products there and you can get your hands on them. Yeah. So all this stuff is going to be second nature for you. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, I'm taking a test at Infocom, but <laughs> yes, I'm like, great. Yeah. Like, uh, but maybe I can just like go walk the show floor and that'll help me study like a few hours before yeah like quick just like walk me through this matrix switcher just like walk me through what it does (laughs) um is gary gonna just be standing outside the room like yeah if i fail it he's gonna it's like he's like it'll be okay if you fail it but like will it be okay if i fail it um you know i've been teaching cts prep for a long time and you will not be the first person you're not gonna fail it i have confidence in you but anyone that does fail it like I mean, I've seen people who've been in the industry for 20 years and didn't pass it on the first time. So yeah, uh, you know, it's where we're, uh, as I like to say, every day is a chance to learn something new. Anyway, so I did want to talk about signal integrity because that's something that I guess I don't really understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, or like what, what capacitance is too. Signal integrity is basically the reason you want to hire a professional for your AV systems, right? Because you want the sound of me speaking into a microphone to sound just as good in the other room where we have overflow as it does if you're here with me, you know? And so the only way to do that is to preserve those ones and zeros as much as possible. And obviously most uh, systems are going to do some sort of compression or some sort of, you'll have some sort of loss along the way. Um, but the idea is to preserve as much of that signal as possible getting from point A to point B. So that is making sure that you're not running your cables in the same trough as, uh, power Mm -hmm. because power will affect, um, that signal. It's making sure that you're not going near sources of interference, like fluorescent lights, microwaves, um, uh, Wi-Fi will mess it up. I mean, everything's going to mess it up really. So it's just so like, anything that puts off any kind of signal, you're going to want to stay away or create some kind of barrier. Yeah, we actually, so, uh, I used to work as a, as an AV tech. And our big town hall space, we were having all these microphone issues, but only during lunch meetings. And we were like, the microwaves, it was the microwave. See, you're smarter than all of us combined. You, uh, what, what a new engineer came on. Um, and she said, well, duh, there's microwaves right outside the room and everyone's, you know, heating up their fish sandwiches. And, um, (laughs) And that's why the microphones are cutting out. And we hadn't even, I don't think we'd realized it was only during lunch meetings. And we were saying it was an intermittent issue. But then when we thought about it, we were like, oh yeah, it's it's only the lunch meetings. So um, even that's something crazy. even something is, even, and these were obviously our wireless microwaves. Um, so for the really important meetings, they basically had to put signs on all the microwaves and said, don't use. Don't um, use these right now. <laughs> But yeah, so you, you know, you have to pick a, you, you pick a path of how you're getting from point A to point B and you want to make sure that you're minimizing what's along the way. And then you also want to make sure that you're choosing the correct cables and cable types to, um, to get from point A to point B with the least, least amount of loss, least amount of, so loss would be just dropping ones and zeros 
Um, interference would be ones turning to zeros and zeros turning to ones because there's other okay. things that are interacting with them. Okay. Um, and then the integrity of your signal would be just making sure that nobody else is able to tap into your system. Okay. So, and obviously different installs will have different, um, will have different needs for that. Okay. That makes sense. So when it comes to like distance like putting a signal over a distance mm -hmm. um there are like certain things that you have to do like when it's like a digital signal like you have to do some kind of buffering or amplification to get it to travel well because isn't didn't i read that that like analog signals can kind of travel longer without having to do that but like digital signals you have to like physically do something to them to get them to travel longer distances? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on the signal type, but uh, the biggest issue with digital signals is that they're not, um, for an analog signal, it'll kind of sound progressively worse as the, um, as the, as it get, as you start getting past your limit and keeping going. Um, but digital is basically just, a, it'll just cut out. Yeah. So it either works or it doesn't analog maybe it'll sound bad that's a technical term um or it'll look bad but it, you might still get something out of it with digital it's like that's it it's done yeah um but there yeah there's ways to mitigate that so if you have a box in between it basically takes that signal in and then spits it back out and it's like okay. you know fresh um that makes sense. so so that so your distance limitations is basically your hops in between devices so okay. you could have so you could have a system where you have a couple of rooms and they're far away from each other, but the signal goes into a head end and then the head end goes to a, a you know, an intermediate um, closet or something, and then it goes on to that. And so at that point, um, you're um, at that point, you're covered. Okay. That makes sense. So can we talk about switchers? Cause I, those are so, they're so mysterious to me. Like they're just a little box. What do you do? What are you about? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a little suspicious of them. Like yeah. <laughs> sounds kind of sus to me. Yeah. It's a little sus. <laughs> I mean, when we talk about, as the kids would say, uh, I mean, when we talk about as an industry, we've traditionally sold black boxes. Like these yeah. are the boxes that we saw little black boxes yeah yeah they like I you know I talk into it and then it comes out somewhere else I, I mean yeah. it's basically having a switcher in your system is um uh well just to give you an example because I I, I I find personally that I remember this stuff better if I have an example um, yeah I have an eight by eight video switcher in my basement okay um, as as one does and so before we had that, we had um, a TiVo and the TiVo was hooked up directly to our TV. And when we okay. wanted to watch TV, we turned it on um, and it worked. But the only thing you could watch was the TiVo. Um, and then I put an eight by eight in my basement and then I hooked a bunch of different devices up into that and we got rid of TiVo. And so now you choose Apple TV or Roku or Xbox or something else. And switcher, the switcher, um, you know, I have some programming and then on the remote, you hit a button for each of those. And then the switcher will just switch which source goes to the output to the TV. So this is like if you have a TV and the TV only has two HDMI ports, but you have about 
four different things that you want to pick to watch too. So you got a Blu-ray player, you got an Xbox, you got the Apple TV, you got a couple mm-hmm. other things. So a switcher is what you would get when you're like, I have more than these two things that are on this HDMI ports on the TV. Yeah. And you can use other devices like a switcher. So before, um, before we upgraded to a full like distributed video system in my house, as one does, um, we had a, an amplifier, um, like receiver, uh, in, in the like furniture with the TV. And so I had my TiVo and, um, like the Xbox and the Wii plugged into that. So that is that as a switcher, but now it's in my basement. So switcher switch, um, the most basic switcher would be like a two by one. So that mm-hmm. would sources one output and you're basically just switching in between the two. Okay. Um, and then, but my eight by eight means that's eight inputs, eight outputs. So now, and you know, and when we first did the cutover, my husband was like, you know, I, I hit the button and the TV came on, like <laughs> what more do we need? But now I have an output to a TV in my basement for when I'm working out. Um, we put a TV in my husband's office. Um, and, um, and then I ran, uh, a line of cable out. Um, this isn't, uh, this isn't, uh, Infocom. So we can actually use manufacturers names, right? We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I teach CTS prep. So I'm so used to like saying, you know, Estron Cray because we're, agnostic. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I have a DM system and I have a DM run out to my projector outside. So okay. then I, pl- I just plug a box out there. I don't know why I'm going into all this. You don't need to know how my house works, but, but now, but basically, um, you know, from any of those places, you can choose from any of the sources that are at that head end. And then, yeah. um, and we can also choose the same one too. So if my daughter's upstairs and she gets really quiet I can turn on the tv and I can see oh yep she's in daddy's office and she's watching youtube okay (laughs) gotcha okay but yeah so basically like this picture in the book it just like didn't help me at all (laughs) (laughs) that's not because that is a picture of spaghetti yeah I was like I don't I see where the ins and the outs are, but none of the rest of this is really doing anything for me. Yeah. So the left side is your gazintas. The outside, the right side is your gazautas. Okay. Basically what it's saying that DA distribution amplifier, that's where you're basically, you taking a signal, you're amplifying it so that you can split it up. And it's basically saying for each of those inputs, there's a little DA inside of it that, that splits it up into four. Okay. And that's how you can have four TVs watching the same, same source or four audio zones listening to the same, um, you know, device with Spotify in it. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense to me. So there are switcher types now. So there are types of these little black boxes. So on here, it talks about mechanical and seamless are those the two so mechanical it's like a physical connection okay but that means that all the little ones and zeros have to kind of physically make their way places and so um um when you're adding in others um sometimes people will call like a tv like a sink although i guess for this we're talking about audio as well so that wouldn't be the right word to use but basically you're adding something else to the end of it okay Um, and 
so at, they all kind of have to get on the same page. So that's okay. what we're talking about there. But with the seamless one, it's kind of a virtual in, you know, the black box is doing the magic for you of taking oh. ones and zeros and breaking them up. Okay. And then. And apparently it's seamless because like the train, it makes the transitions from the first source to the second source, like very, very seamless because there's no like physical thing that you have to do. Right. Okay, great. So we talked about DAs a little bit earlier, but a distribution amplifier that. That's the same thing. Yeah. DA is just the acronym for it. Okay. So it's basically a way of taking a source and sending it to multiple places. Okay. And then it gave me another fun picture that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> um, okay. So that's just basically showing you how, um, like, when some, it, I think this is a picture of like somebody speaking at a press conference. Okay. So there's a microphone, it goes into the mixer. So the mixer's kind okay. of providing one one audio source and then basically it's going into these DAs and then the DAs is taking that signal and it's chopping it up into um uh into basically six pieces and then sending mm -hmm. those out to everybody so it's a way of everybody to share the audio okay without so to, without having to um everyone have a microphone up there and then they're showing kind of a cascading thing you may hear that where one of the outputs from the first DA is going into the second one. To increase it even more. Okay. Yeah. To give so where in this like diagram would a malt box go? So like if I'm at a press conference and like I plug my recorder into their malt box so that I can get the audio from the press conference to use later. Like, is that what that is kind of? Basically. Yeah. Your news okay. network one. Okay. Great. Okay. That makes sense. Like once again, real life examples are how I'm going to get through this. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh yeah, I've done this before. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So basically this entire chapter, it, it like talks about how where one of the most common places that like I'll find a signal management system is in an AV rack. Mm -hmm. Um, so these are the things that are like, I'm thinking of like in a school like in a college where there's always an av room in the building and that is where all the mics like where everything lives so when mm -hmm. you go there this is the place where it like has where all the technology in each of the classrooms how it works right pretty much yeah i mean everything's gotten so small and like there's boxes that'll do six different things so you may you don't see as many AV racks, especially in smaller rooms as you used to, but if you, okay. you know, like the big auditoriums, those all, those are all going to have a rack and a lot of them will have more than one. Okay. I did see a bunch of racks. I'm in the AV install nightmares, Facebook group. Um, I got approved <laughs> recently. I had to prove that I was AV enough to join, but I was like, I write about it. Can I be in this group? Um, and there was like, it was like a AV like room just full of racks. And then the cables were just everywhere. Like you couldn't see the floor. Yeah. yeah so poor signal management. <laughs> yeah. It made, it stressed me out to look at, but that's what I'm thinking of now. When I think of an AV rack, I'm thinking of that and just like all the cables, just like all over the floor and you don't know what goes to what, because you can't even see what anything yeah. is. Yeah. Well, and that's what Avixa would have us not do. Um, and so, I mean, 
that's a great real world example of rack <laughs> this this section rack building considerations right like all those cables on the floor are going to make it very hard to troubleshoot and service stuff but also if you've got power mixed in with those all of a sudden you're messing your signal up so like good rack building everything kind of has their own little channels she says moving her hands around like the podcast listeners can see her <laughs> um, but you know there's you but you're supposed to bundle like signal types together and it's to make sure that you're not getting that interference so okay. i think gets pulled out and ends up in spaghetti on the floor you've lost all that signal management and that's why yeah. um the people who build the racks and the people who service the racks will often be kind of in opposition with each other because um a lot of rack builders like to zip tie everything within an inch of its life but then if you have to um, replace trace, something yeah replace something or trace a cable what happens is the service techs just pull out their little snips and they snip the zip ties and then that's it and you, that's where you're getting that spaghetti like the the spaghetti probably didn't leave the you know the um shop like that but it, it ended up like that over time and it's because yeah. it's because there wasn't consider well it could it could be that the service techs just didn't care yeah, um, but it could also be that there weren't service considerations with it. So that's why they talk about service loops is like having extra slack in the system. So you can kind of pull stuff out without having to unbundle it. Um, it's why a lot of people use Velcro, sorry, hook and loop um, versus uh, zip ties. <laughs> um, and um, it's why, uh, yeah, you want to make sure you're setting up your rack so that there's just enough wiggle room that you can move stuff around. No, that makes sense. So basically the entire point of this chapter is so that I don't end up with an AV room that looks like that. Yeah, or that, okay. sounds, or that sounds bad or where the sound cuts out. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Like, you know, as long as I can kind of pick out like the point of each chapter, I think that like, I'll be okay. But when it comes to figuring out how to study this chapter more so that I can like pass the CTS exam, what would you recommend? Yeah, like physically get your hands on some stuff. When I teach CTS prep, we actually, you know, we'll have a bucket of conduct con connectors that people can go through and use. Okay. Um, I mean, even just like find the really old equipment in the rave offices and see if you can plug it into to, to stuff and make it work. Okay. Because um, that's what, I mean, a lot of this stuff is older, but it's still out there, which is why you need to know what it is. What it is what it is and how it works because people don't just rip stuff out but you know like a lot of digital only systems will be it's just hdmi yeah but i should know what a coax cable is yeah and there's all these video connectors dbi vga all of that you're still going to see those i used to work in higher ed and you know yeah all the professors like eight-year-old laptops were vga only yeah and that's how they would connect to the projector and stuff so you could see what was going on right yep yeah so um, you still need to know what those are. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I think that was all of my questions. Um, I guess my final one will be like, what was most helpful to you when you were studying to take the CTS? <laughs> oh man, it was so long ago. <laughs> I mean, I created an entire human since then. She's eight. That's, oh my gosh. <laughs> Like I did not have a child when I had a CTS. Um, well, I guess I'll cheat a little and I'll give you some of the tips that I give okay. when I teach CTS class. 
Um, one is that in your book, there is a, an appendix in the back that says AV math. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is literally all of the formulas that you will need to know. Okay. It lists them all out. So what I would do is I would take all of those and I would write them on a sheet of paper and I would use those for memorization. The AV math, I mean, so for these connectors, it's like, if I asked you your name, your birthday and where you're from, like you wouldn't even hesitate in telling me, like it wouldn't feel like a question because those are just things that you've lived. So the connectors, you can kind of live those a little bit and then you don't have to do that memorization. Um, For the AV math, like no, I mean, the real smart people live the AV math, but, yeah, I but I'm, not, I'm not using Ohm's law every day. So I have no. to win and I have to study it. So yeah. write all those out, use that as a study sheet. And then when you get into the exam, you're not allowed to bring your study sheet in with you. But what you can do is look at it right before you put it in the locker when they make you put all your stuff in the little locker. So you get one last look at it before you go in. Okay. And bef- before you answer any questions, they give you um, scratch paper to like put notes on, write out all your formulas at the top of the scratch paper before you look at anything and take a nice, okay. deep, take a nice deep breath before you do it. Because then you're not having to panic, try and remember, um, you know, the decibel formula for voltage. It's just right there. And then you can plug it in when you're doing your calculations. Okay. Sounds good. That's my biggest tip. <laughs> Cause a lot of it is math, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I mean, a lot of it and a lot of it is taking three pieces of information and putting them together. So being able to read a reflected ceiling plan and count. Oh, yes, this is the big one. All right. This is the one all my coworkers sat me down and they gave me their tips and tricks. And the one that that really stuck with me that was really helpful. It was know the standard size of a ceiling tile. Standard size of a ceiling tile. Okay. Do you know what that is? Nope. It's two feet by two feet. Oh, okay. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're like, we're not a regular conference room. We're a cool conference room, like weird geometric shaped ceiling tiles aren't going to help you, but 99% of places out there in a commercial space are going to have the uniform ceiling tiles because they all use the same grid work. Um, And it's actually, that is a very helpful thing to know in real life because it also helps you to estimate distances between things. So we do a lot of stuff with motion sensors and the motion sensors that we work with need to be eight feet away from any source of interference. Okay. And so I can literally count ceiling tiles. One, okay, two, three, that's four, four ceiling tiles away. Four ceiling yeah. tiles away. Uh, and then I can say, oh, nope, that's only two ceiling tiles. It's too close. But okay. on, the, on the CTS, they are very, you're very likely to see a question. Okay. Where they'll give you a reflected ceiling plan. And then the way you figure out how far things are from other things is to count the ceiling tiles. Okay. That's actually, that's really useful. Thank you. Um, are you teaching a class again? Soon? I am. I, okay. well, not soon, but I'm going to, I believe I'm going to be teaching CTS prep. Yeah, actually I signed the little thing that said I would. So yeah. I'll be teaching. So you are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing the boot camp, uh, three-day CTS prep at Infocom. And then I will also be on a panel. I want to say it's on Thursday, but time has no meeting anymore. So uh, look it up, but I'm te- okay. I'll be on a panel about uh, program AV programming. Okay, awesome. I hope to join at least one of those things and <laughs> scan well, the- and program. <laughs> well, the boot camp you have to sign up for and pay for in advance, but the other one um, you should be able to take if you have the class pass. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hope. Hope you have a great rest of the day and a great weekend. Thank
Thank you. You too. Thanks for helping me. All right. No problem. Bye. Bye. Study with Steph because she's the best.